five, four, three. Previously on Droughtland. The desert suns have arrived in force, capitalizing on the cataclysmic earthquake and tremendous rains that follow. At the Gemini, Harold Crimp and the Cooper twins strive to put together an escape plan which will work for the dozens of people trapped together under the protection of Lavender's heads. On the streets, Evan Brewer and Kiatl Shea battle terrifying, raging berserkers. Deep in the mine below, Baja Darwil is tasked with delivering a message of peace from the new Vakal tribe to the humans on the surface. With him, the tribe's two leaders, Vraltuk and Vevekt Nartasha. And now, without further ado, thank you for listening and welcome to Droughtland. As the aftershock begins to settle and the tunnel stops shaking around you, the two guards behind you, Vivek Nartasha next to you, and Vral Tuck uh, just in front of you, all hold yourselves against the walls of this <sighs> slender tunnel. Finally, the, uh, the shaking subsides and you guys continue. Another few minutes, minutes spent walking down Tunnels and caverns and backer hold seem so exchangeable to you that mm-hmm. it's almost a mirage. But in this particular instance, the presence of the Vevect is quite lovely to have along. She's chatting and laughing at your jokes and keeping you engaged and fairly unaware of the pain that you're still in. Which is significant. Which is significant. She does stop at one point and give you another injection of uh, a serum that she says will help you be able to stay alert and help the pain subside a bit. That feels real nice. Hey, I've been meaning to ask you a question. Sorry for coming on strong with the dinner thing earlier. You don't have to answer. But I was wondering what your name meant. You asked me where my name came from. Where did... Natasha? Yeah, where did Natasha come from? Oh, uh, well, she she chuckles a little and says, well, um, Vevect is, uh, Vevect is an ancient Calvec term. Back when we had Vrals, uh, we had leaders of our people who were, uh, meant to move forward, not just, uh, scavenge but like progress our society mm-hmm. push technology forward and the the Vrals would have um a select group of Calvec to help advise them and help to push certain facets of things forward and uh Vevect was the term for um for the one who was selected and chosen to push the bounds of medicine and technological advancement so uh, I guess you could say uh, I meant to usher in a, a whole new era of technology for the Calvec. Well, apparently. Medicine. Based on how I'm feeling right now, apparently you're very good at it. And I feel like the name is very apropos. Well, Say it for me again. Uh, Vivek Nartasha Navarkal. Narkasha Navarkal. That's, that's very good for a human. My Nartasha, tongue is in the right shape. Uh, Nartasha is 
she looks around like at the two guards that have you've stopped just briefly, you know, and they're standing a few feet away. Vral Tuck is muttering to himself with his eyes closed a few feet forward. Um, and she kind of looks around. She says, one of the things that they're encouraging with this uh, Vakal tribe is uh, that we're abandoning the human names, you know, that we come up with. Some of us, a lot of us, were born uh, and raised right here at Backerhold or, you know, uh, possibly in Ingolsfeld. And a lot of us grew up with human names. Like, uh, my name is Karen, as I said, and I don't mind if you call me Natasha. Well, but... can, I, can I go ahead and give an unsolicited opinion? Of, of course. It's not Your Calvac name is much prettier. Oh, well, well, thank you. I do appreciate it. It's more fitting for a woman of your stature. She takes a second and kind of tilts her head, and she's slightly unsure if you are attempting to be, to be complimentary or degradating, but it's almost right on that line. She's like, Well, he's not trying... Okay, not trying... No, Baja's neg- not trying to neg you. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that? stature. Do you say that? Because yeah, she like yeah, kind of looks at you like. <laughs> oh no! No, okay. I wasn't trying to be degrading. Did I say something of faux pas? I, sh- I wasn't sure if you were negging me or. I would not. No, I would never oh, know. Okay. I don't know how to neg. Oh, that's fair. Okay. You guys continue walking down the tunnel for a bit, and then you reach the point where this tunnel ends. This is the tunnel that humans have mined out already. Easy and Street? You're very familiar with. This is part of Easy Street. Yeah, okay. it's an older, uh, it's it's like an upper level of Easy Street. Easy Street itself is is down another whole level, mm-hmm. but this is like old Easy Street, if okay. you will. Kind of like an old downtown. Except, I can dig that, yeah. yeah. So this, this used to be a very popular mining vein, and now it's mostly been mined out to the point where there's little off cuts and things like where people will set up camps or shops or like little you know like just a an anvil basically this is like Kiatl had a shop down here Uh, that bastard yeah that I don't know that you don't know yeah uh so you reach that point, and then you see uh, this is where the tunnel that they brought you through earlier the survivors um the Calvec brought the survivors through these tunnels when they were bringing you guys up from the lower levels and this this tunnel cuts uh sharply off to the left of of the tunnel that you're familiar with it definitely did not used to be here or i guess clearly it did and it was uh sealed but at this point the seals have been broken and val tuck leads you into this smaller offshoot tunnel Mm. around you once again chaos gems iridium and diamonds sparkle with a majestic energy that cascades i can't believe this was right here. Do you know how many times I have walked right by this? This is infer this is my own shop. This is this is my own chain of bakeries. This is insane. The two guards behind you behind you like Don't worry, I'm growl, not gonna pocket anything. Growl a little. They're not like there's hands to myself. And Vral Tuck stops suddenly and he whirls in you and he says, This tunnel is our birthright. And we- and what a lovely birthright it is. We, you, human. He takes a second and gathers himself, like the two guards. You're gonna call me a skin monkey because that's offensive. He takes a step back, 
turns away and continues to walk down the tunnel, uh, muttering under his breath, but not like not angry muttering. He's returning to this sort of meditative trance. But there was just for a moment a fire in his eyes that oh. you know. Baja poked the bear. The look of someone who has killed. And will. Now yeah. that you yourself have that Taking look. Taking a life. When yep. you see it yourself mm-hmm. in the mirror. And Vral Tuck has killed. So he continues to lead you guys down this tunnel, which is almost self-illuminating at this point. Uh, but then the tunnel begins to, to descend uh, down to the next level. And a few feet down a, a deep slope, there's a sharp turn. And down at the bottom of the turn, you can see fouled water Do I mixed smell? with diesel. I'm going to probably smell it first. Oh, you right? absolutely would smell it first. Oh, yeah, God. Like... Oh, what is that? Oh, no. Oh, it's that egg and... Diesel smell of, of a, are we headed for fouled water? Now, Natasha like puts her her claw up in front of her nose to like block the smells, and she's, oh. <coughs> my people, we're we all live with the fouling, we're all familiar with the smell of it, but mixed with diesel, it is quite it is quite its own. It's, it is definitely. Fragrant. You ever smelt jackfruit that was left in the sun? I, my sister actually made some jackfruit scones once that were. Oh yeah, my god! They were very good. I have to hang out with your sister. She sounds like an absolute treat. Oh, she's. We just. She'll. My be question is: Is there any way she's as beautiful as you? Or. <laughs> Stop it. Does Baja, the cook? Does please. the cooking acumen uh, come with the uh, come without the beauty? Well, you know what they say about sisters and beauty. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the pear tree. Oh, I was gonna say there's plenty to go around and no need to compete, but oh, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, you're right. Malifors are my piece of pie. Sure. Ral Tuck is silent as you guys look down in the fouled water that has, uh, is still rising at a perceptible rate up this tunnel. You can see this part of the diesel isn't isn't on fire. Yet, mm-hmm. but you can see down below the fouled water that the chaos gems, the diamonds, and the iridium are crackling and snapping with electric energy back and forth along. Oh, this isn't cascades a good place to be walls. in. This is a bad place to be in. Vral Tuck takes a moment. He turns and looks at you, Baja. He says, Baja, I know you are a miner, but even more. Something you have shown me from deep inside yourself. You are a baker. And I know that you will understand. And he reaches down and grabs just a chaos gem off the floor. Just like grabs, a little, it's just a little red shard. He holds it in his hand and he says, Have you ever poured baking soda and vinegar down an anthill? He gestures around at all of the the gems around him. Oh. Says, "Baking soda," and then he tosses the chaos gem into the fouled water. And oh as no! It hits the water like sparks, and he says, "Vinegar."
Book One, Chapter Thirty-Three, Sign and an Earthquake, Four Bits. Kietel and Evan, as the dust and embers that are still in the air begin to like settle after the second desert sun has detonated and Kietel has been rendered unconscious in the street. <laughs> you guys hear a sound kind of getting louder and louder. And even before you're able to dash over and give him any assistance, Evan, you flexibly glance down the street a clockwork bike just flies by like on a cross section like going past you guys and just for a second you hear someone yell fuck yeah miss bridgewater that's what i'm talking about fucking voodoo that you do and i do a voodoo on my motorcycle where a couple of and then you're pretty sure you might know them but you're not positive and then you're back to kettle being passed out in the street so with all of this settling down, what are you gonna? How are you gonna take care of this, Evan? Uh, check Kietel, check the merchant woman, uh, see how alive they are, okay. respectively. Who do you want to check first? Kietel. So go ahead and give me a perception and first aid. Uh, separate or together? It's uh, it's it's together. So it's perception, and you have your first aid to okay. be able to like see how bad someone is. Uh, Assess them. Twelve. 15. Okay, so a 15, you can easily tell that if you snapped him back awake, he would come back with half of his endurance points, basically. Okay. I go to my bag of tricks, and I pull out some smelling salts. All right. And I crack them and put them under his nose. I can't tell you burst <gasps> with this terrible twinge in your nostrils. <laughs> it's okay, we learned. Oh. As I pat him Do on I the head. Do I have eyebrows? Does he have eyebrows? Uh, roll a pure luck check. Uh, on a 7 through 10, you have eyebrows. 8. Okay, you still have most of your eyebrows. <laughs> they're, they're a little singed, but they're there. Yes. Ow. All right, go check the woman. I think I have a sunburn across okay, half my body. You get to the woman, and as you go to lift her, you don't even have to roll a perception check. You can tell that her entire front of her has been melted, basically. Her face oh. is gone. It's like ashen almost and now like as you pull her up she looks like uh like a really badly burnt crab rangoon like it's, sure. yeah she is gone well, that's unfortunate Deidre, simone and tub shake themselves off after that explosion and s- step forward and uh, look around kind of make sure that there's no more desert suns right here immediately you can still hear of course all the chaos going on around you guys um but then we see like a nice low shot as a couple of you guys like turn to look and the mega structure that is home is like still illuminated in like the light of the fires of the of the town and the uh the attacks from the zeppelins like happening all around it it seems to be fully shuttered um and it is like a a stark building above you against the skyline you guys can head there through basically either the front door the side entrance on either side or all the way around to the back well the back is the wall so it would i guess just be the front and the the two sides Um, from being the requirements uh quote-unquote safest entrance. Mm, 
In normal circumstances, of course. In normal circumstances, the front would be usually open. There's like a big, like, uh, hangar bay door sort of thing that would be open most of the time on the first level. That's closed up. So, uh, right now, probably you would think to one side, like, probably the, like, if you're facing it, the right side entrance would be the best way to go. Okay. Then I'm going to, uh, stally the troops and, uh, move towards the right door. Okay. You guys begin, like, trudging down the streets. You guys are kind of clinging to shadows and uh, trying to, you know, cut across open spaces quickly. Uh, keep your head low. Kietel, your hammer is getting heavier by the moment, and you begin to reconsider the practicality of it as a weapon. But, you know, you steal your resolve, and you continue on anyway. Is it half endurance is where I'm at? Uh, yeah, yeah, half endurance, because I'm feeling very generous. Yeah. Um, what about health-wise? <laughs> health is the same, whatever you were. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Simone runs forward and is like, checking behind all of the different alleyways and like all the nooks and stuff and making sure that that you guys's path is clear now you get around to the side and this particular entrance into home is one that lets out onto a side street and it's less well known so you guys are able to get there and it seems like there's no one like attacking this particular entrance right now it's dead and quiet there's no lights on it or anything like if, you know a, a half a couple dozen feet down the way there's fires in the storefronts and stuff like that but this one area seems fairly dark you guys go up and try the door and it is locked though gonna sledgehammer the door nope go ahead too late do it do it roll a strength roll a strength Okay. Yeah, so, like, Evan, you're, like, looking at the door and, like, like s- s- inspecting it up, doing the, like, Adrian Monk thing where you're looking through your hands at I it. Say, okay. I was going to do um, a secret nod. I rolled a one and then a four on the reroll. <laughs> so as you do this, Evan, you're, like, looking through your hands at this lock and you're like, oh, I think I know how to. And then just wham, the fucking sledgehammer into the door, but the door doesn't give. And Kettle just drops the sledgehammer and looks down in his hands. And, and you go, I was going to knock. <laughs> go ahead and, uh, so what's your contacts level? Uh, two. Okay. So go ahead, roll... So I know that you would know someone in there who would let you in. Uh, roll a luck check, pure 50-50. So five or better. Ten. Ten, okay. There is someone at the door. You have to convince them that you are Evan and that it's safe for you to come okay. in. Uh, first, I'll do the knock that I used to get into the meetings. Sure. Uh, to start with, and then they say something to me. So when you knock, you do you hear like inside some shuffling then a body push up against the door it's like a big heavy metal door and you hear a young voice say who goes there do i recognize the voice um do you have photographic memory no then go ahead and give me an intelligence just a raw intelligence okay eight no not with an eight okay seven you hear like a side, like you hear them talking. You can't make out anything that they're saying. Uh, there's like a long, heavy pause, and then a different voice says, "How many are with you?" Four. Uh, let's see. You got one, two, three, four, five, five. Well, four are with me though. Four are with you. Yes. Yeah. You hear like another. There's another beat, and then 
the door, like you hear the latch slide and the door creaks open. And then somebody's like gestures you in quick. So you guys all rush in. They like push the door real quick behind you, slam it shut and slide the lock into place. So this is a small like entryway to a long hallway. And on either side of the hallway um, are different doors to like storage lockers and storerooms. Basically, this is like the back room area of home. So there's like a couple layers of just hallway labyrinths that have different storerooms and like some of them service classrooms on the higher levels and all that now. But basically, it's just like a, uh, a self storage facility for this part of the area. Um, there's, of course, the other parts of home. There's the big main like uh, hangar area, which is where the rice patties are built into and all that. So where are you wanting to head now that you guys are in here? Uh, well, first, I want to talk to the people that are there. Um, uh, do I know? No, you don't. Okay. All right. All right. There's uh, two of them. So there are two guards. You don't know either of them. Uh, one of them is a little bit younger. One of them is a little bit older. Uh, the older one uh, does like steps forward, and they're both wearing Minutemen outfit. Mm-hmm. And they say uh, like, um, "How?" Uh, uh, he like just looks at you and says like, "How did you guys make it here?" That I think the streets have all fallen. Violence. So you find the school teacher Anita has been placed in charge of everyone here at home. So there's a a plethora of Minutemen you see like in the halls. They're all armored up and they're all like ready to go, but they've clearly locked the building down. And it seems like it's been been mostly untouched by the Desert Suns and all that since that's happened. As you are, as you guys are talking to the guards and then they bring you to Anita, she's in one of the like offices that kind of overhangs the the big hangar area it's like an administration office for like organizing the food and all that and it's been like quickly converted into like a bit of like a shelter office for her and she's got these like maps at backer hold and they've got clearly like people who are like running numbers on like zeppelins and things like that but mostly people are taking care of each other inventorying stuff inventorying food there's like a, a real lockdown energy in here and you can see that through like the back wall of her office are these big windows and you can see the massive hangar that is home it's like probably twice the size of like your standard airport hangar which is like something most people haven't even been in really like one you know a big big guy and there's this artificial stair step of rice patties that have been built into the far wall from where you guys are so the uh, like if you're p- facing the front of, of home, it's the left wall and down on the ground around that there's other like hydroponics, like there's like rows and rows of tables that have, you know, been raised and then they're, they're growing different things on the, on these tables and uh, all around there, there's people and you guys see that there's like several hundred people, like not just kids, but there's other survivors and shop owners and salt, stuff like that. And Anita turns and, uh, she's, well, I'm happy to see that there are still some survivors that we're able to, to pull in. How are things looking out there? Do you Not want the bad good. news or the worst news? Uh, give it to me straight. 
Well, the fighting that you're seeing up here is only the um, tease for what's going to happen. Uh, as I'm sure you noticed, there was a huge collapse in the middle. I was. There. That's when we pulled the. Uh, that's when we started pulling people in here and getting this all locked down. That's we were very lucky to get that locked down before the Desert Suns arrived. I was there when it fell, and was able to fortunately escape. The Kelvac have reclaimed their heritage and are reclaiming their home. As you say that, like the whole room, like everyone else that was working and like riding, they all stop and they're like dead silence in the office. So regardless of whatever outcome happens between the Desert Suns, the corporation, and us, the Kelvac have not partook in this fight at all. I think we all know what that means. So, the good news. Do you still have, point of order, do you still have one of the Kelvac scrolls? Yes. Yeah, okay. Just a reminder if that's something that you want. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll hand it to them so that they can read it, so that she can read it as well. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I wasn't um, sure if you. I honestly wasn't even sure if Evans had yeah, yeah, one or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless it. I mean, it, I think you do. I, yeah. Unless you got it, the only time you would have lost it would be if you handed it off. Yes, yeah. I don't think you did. So, so yeah. she'll. So Anita will take it and she'll read it, and like one of like a couple of the other people will like step up and like read over her shoulders, and like you give her a second to like really consume that, and her face gets increasingly crestfallen. You can see like she she stops at a point like when the letter turns from statement of intention to like statement of rules and, and codes of conduct for humans, and she just kind of turns and re- redirects her attention to you. So the good news out of this, which is not the best, but obviously it's better than this outcome. We have some friends who are going to be working with um, the Minutemen over in the ports to secure a currently unmanned Zeppelin as the pilot who was with us when we fell um, is uh, going to bring it to here to evacuate us. We're going to go to Inglesfeld. She, like, she hears everything that you're saying and looks around and everyone else in the room is kind of like looking at each other there are some brief whispers and exchanges and like you hear the word English felt repeated several times and then Anita turns and like does the dramatic stare out of the window and like puts her hand up on the wall and like you see her silhouette against Extra like the light like, sloshes yeah. against well this is interior like it's an interior, oh, interior window interior. Okay. yeah but you can see like all the all the like survivors down below you know and like the uh, uh, the the rice patty that's just like built into this wall everything that we've built here since the fouling it's all gone isn't it the building yes but the building is nothing without the people the people are what are important and we will continue aye but the town is mighty <laughs> you're like somebody goes <gasps> when you say that like you're really dramatic um anita turns back to you evan and glances over at kietel as you say this and she uh without another word just turns to whoever you know was clearly the next in in line behind her sort of hovering waiting for her orders uh, she says uh begin to load them on the roof and then there's one other thing that i want to ask if you think we should do this. I think we should. 
but because I know this place is very important to a lot of people. I don't want this to fall into Desert Sun hands. I don't want this to fall into the corporation's hand, and I definitely don't want this to fall into the Kelvex hand, given what is going to be coming. I have a certain expertise. I can rig this place to whenever we leave. It will be a benefit to no one anymore. So make sure, if we do this, make sure to secure everything so we can take what we can of this operation with us so that we will be a benefit to Inglesfeld and not a burden. She says, How, uh, you only have the one pilot out there, right? Just yeah. the one Zeppelin? We're going to need a lot more than that if we're going to take everyone with us. We are Applied Materials, a tabletop role-playing game actual play podcast using the Orpheus Protocol game system. Applied Materials tells a story about a mega corporation intent on rewriting the world in their image and the plucky agents of the Orpheus organization that are sent to stop them. Body horror, eldritch beings, corrupted magic, and everything in between can be found within these walls. You can find the show on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and other places you can catch podcasts on at Applied Materials and at Applied Mats on Twitter. Lavender, I assume you left the the actual wireframe with the gems and everything, the talisman with uh, coriander at the yeah. yeah um so you guys pile into the clockwork bike tt hands you lavender a set of goggles uh with an a short elastic band and big like puffy fur trim around the insides and he says these are my favorite pair please bring them back to me absolutely i will thank you you're welcome tt harold what do you what is your like clockwork bike outfit look like like obviously you don't have your whole outfit but like you've got your helmet or whatever that you wear <laughs> hold up hold up i'm sorry hold up i gotta think it's a ridiculous helmet like it is one of the brightest things in the town it is bright pink and because i want people to see me on sure. my bike in fact when i go normally go riding around i have my bright pink uh, leather jumpsuit that mm-hmm. I wear, like my motorcycle jacket. It's because it makes me stand out and people are less likely to get in my way if they can see me. Pink is also the fastest color because I've decided so. So TT uh, pulls his hood up over his head so that, or I guess he would have already had his hood up, but like he pulls it in a little tighter to against the rain. And uh, he looks at you as you guys like stand there and, or I guess sit, sit on your bike. He says, um, boss, one more thing. And he r- reaches into his pocket and rummages around for a second. And uh, he cracks in his hand something and begins to rub it on your helmet and wipes like black grease all over your helmet. And he's like, 
There, I should make you a little bit easier to sp- or a little bit harder to spot. You know uh, what? Usually, I would I would I would say that that's you know what you got the right idea. I, maybe that's why most motorcyclists wear black is so they don't get seen and hunted down and killed by cultists. At any rate, TT, I'm giving you a raise when we get back. I don't work for you, but thank you. I'm just like shaking my head, being like TT. The quicker you understand that everybody who works working for me. The happier you'll be. Oh. That is not true. And, and before and, you and get argued, <laughs> <laughs> TT's just standing there, like holding like one of your jackets that you left with him. Just you know, like that what? shot with the smoke going. Except it's like super wet, so yeah, my fucking no jacket smoke. now. Or just throws it on the ground yeah. and walks away. So you guys are headed across town. Now the route that you're going to take is going to take you, or the, the most direct route is going to take you through what is left of the Union Town, past home, and then around up next to the BMC silo. So they've got this big storage silo of their own, and it's usually full of like iridium and shit. It's probably going to be a big target from from the Desert Suns. Okay, we avoid that. But just on this side of it is the seismologist's house. So you've got the address. Is there any way I can take like the long way around? There's basically gonna be two options. Both of them would take you like past home. One would then allow you to scoop around more through what is left of the Union Town. And then the other would be to go up towards like the the, the raised uh, wall that surrounds okay. Backerholt. And you could go along the length of the wall if you wanted. That now, sounds that cooler. Be, We're gonna do that. That would be less direct of this know. part. Do you of have an opinion town. on this? I have got hexes, babe. Let's gonna take the more cinematic route. Let's okay. hit the wall. So you guys fucking tearing through this town with like a trail of mud spitting up behind your tires. <laughs> this like clockwork bike shrieking against the rain and the wind. Lavender, your onyx hair is just flapping behind you. Um, Harold, the like grease that TT rubbed on your helmet is like starting to streak in the rain. So it's actually become this really cool, like almost like Darth Maul's like uh, tattooed, you know, oh, like that's this cool. like really like this Rorschach really thing. Cool. And uh, you like you rip through the Union Town as you guys are nearing up to home. So like home is on your left, and again, it's this big mega structure. And so around this area, imagine like a single, like a single story downtown sort of district, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like mercantile shops and stuff like that. And this part is like, there's a long street that runs basically like up into the center of home. You guys are about to approach that street. It's one of the main drags, but you'd be whipping across it, right? Not going along Mm. the length of it. As you guys are tearing through like, suddenly a desert sun berserker like leaps off of the top of one of the buildings and just smashes into the center of the the street. He like stands up and he's got this big ax that's like this big arced blade. He's got jagged sawtooth coming off the back. In the center of his forehead is a split with clearly just a dagger that has cut the scalp open and a chaos gem that has just been embedded in his skull. In addition to that, not that you can really see it at the speeds you're moving, but he's got 
small bits of crusted chaos gems sparkling around the edges of his nostrils as they crush. I want to yell over the, the wind. I'm like, Lav, is there anything you can do about that? I'm gonna point of order. You call her Miss Bridgewater. Miss Bridgewater, is there anything you can do about this? Absolutely, I can. No, like so, like even he, before he's speaking, can I already be cast? Oh yeah, but also you guys do see this berserker guy as he stands up in front of you. Not only is the chaos gem in his forehead glowing red, his eyes are glowing a bright red. Oh good. And his ribs seem to be illuminated behind a translucent stretching of skin. Oh fun. Oh fun. Oh, they, they seem to be silhouetted. Sorry, against a like bright orange and like maroon, deep crimson red swirl of energy that comes from the center of his chest. Mm. And you can actually like, you can see the individual bones of his skeleton as this power source inside him. Like, yeah, we're seeing a lot from this motorcycle. <sighs> you guys are shrieking right up towards him. It's a very, it's one of those where you're, you shriek into it, the, you hit, the, you hit the cutscene thing and the camera zooms in for the mega entrance and then it zooms back out and you haven't moved at all. Yeah. Can I cast two hexes at once? Uh, it depends on the hexes. If you're doing hex bolts, yes. But generally, the answer is no. What do you want to no, do? No, so I want to use 10 essence for hex bolt because it's for five. Sure. Right? Yeah, that you can do. All right, so I want to use 10 essence for hex bolt, but at the same time, because here's the thing my hex bolt hits Dudio, Dudio Brudio there, and that's going to be some fission happening, right? Like, that's going to. Maybe Roll a intelligence and occult knowledge. I'm glad that you asked. Listen, I know my shit. Listen, I know. So intelligence, uh, eleven, um, so thirteen. Okay, you absolutely. Let me think about this. Because I also want to cast for us on us the physical shield. I'm gonna answer one thing first and then we'll get to the physical shield. So you asked about how the energy of your hex would interact with this guy and you rolled a 13 to see what you have, right? Yeah. So you would not have any hard science way, like no field knowledge for sure that this is how it would work because you probably wouldn't have talked to enough combat using hexlingers to know. But you would be able to surmise, based on the knowledge you have from having studied under Lucinda, these guys are chaos-driven, and chaos gems in general amplify the effects of things Ooh. and like modify them. But like, there it's it's more of like a a, a wild boost, not like wild magic and D and D sort of thing. You're not going to spawn some random thing from it. You're more likely to cause him to like massively explode. Right, to yeah. and that's why, like, I want us to be able to keep going to where we need to get to go with some sort of shield around us, so that we. Can oh, I can take I can this. take care yeah. of that part with a right. So check. the second part is the shield. I will say you would have had time on the way over to cast shield. You could be screw, like muttering the hex under your breath as the wind and the rain whips into your face, and you like working this little energy in your hand, and then pass it to yourself and to Harold. What's up with uh, the defense drone too? Uh, the defense drone is with um, Coriander. 
Oh, it stayed with coriander? I assumed, unless you want to have taken it. I, I, well, I said that I had attached it to lavender, and I never... Right, but then lavender went that. and healed, and you guys came in, you found the whole place. We she talked about the, the chink brought the defense No, no, if it, 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 it actually it makes sense to have left it with coriander. Okay. Help me remember that she has it later. Yeah. So, are you wanting to give him more armor value on the shield, or more HP for the shield? Which would you prefer? I assume we probably, probably yelled more, at each other. I think more armor value. Armor okay. value is yeah. technically more useful. useful. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. think. Armor value is fine because I'm at full HP anyway. So. so it's one point per one level of armor value. So how much armor value do you want to give each of you? Five each. So ten five each. Right. So uh, yeah. So and up there in the green. So add five now Got to it. each of you. Now right. how much HP do you want to give to each of you for this shield? Um. Like three essence points each, so 15, 15. HP. That would be pretty good. Uh, uh, yeah, that might help. Well, might, like, I don't know. Like, because the might... problem is, as soon as the damage capacity is is reduced to zero, the armor value goes away. So there's if you give too much in the armor value at not enough damage capacity, just one hit will knock the, the shield away, basically. So, like, so would five work then? 25 HP? I think that'd be better. Okay. So 25 right, so another HP, so another 10? Yeah. Okay. So, Lavender, you have cast Shield Flesh on yourself and Harold for a total of 20 essence spent, correct? Yeah. And that's going to give each of you a shield, an energy shield, or, uh, a, a mystical shield around you that has an armor value of 5 and damage capacity of 25 points. So, so do we put that, that in our hit points? Or? No, that goes in the, in the green box. And then the last thing before we move back into the combat is, uh, Harold, you would have had to remove your clockwork armor and all that. Mm -hmm. So back before you left the Gemini, uh, you had a bunch of your guys help you get pulled, get, un, un, you know, yeah, unscrewed and, and out of that, which means that your armor value is different. Now you could keep the clockwork helmet, which you had, because that part is separate right. from the armor. And then I would say you could be wearing a breastplate would be probably the heaviest thing you would want to be wearing. Is that what you want to? I think that is what I want to do. Okay. Well, I wouldn't have the clockwork helmet on either because we described me putting on the motorcycle. Oh, yeah, you're right. So you'd have a motorcycle helmet on. Say it's the same as your breastplate. Keep it simple. So, Lavender, you cast this physical shield on each of you guys. Uh, Harold, you have left your clockwork helmet or your clockwork armor uh, back at the Gemini. You mm -hmm. do still have a clockwork helmet on under, around your neck, but it is not folded out right now. It's not you activated. Your biker yeah. helmet on. Lavender, how much did you want to spend on this hex? Uh, five essence each, so for like 10 total. Okay, so you're going to spend bolt. 10 hex on this hex bolt to... to yeah. s All right, so this berserker is going to, as you guys are running at him or driving at him, he's just booking it at you. So, Lav, you'd like charge this energy up. You feel it start at the base of your spine and run down your shoulders like a shiver down your arms and then into your fingertips as it begins to crackle in your hand. And then you reel your arm back and hurl and I, a massive bolt of crimson energy through the air at him. And can I yell at Harold just to keep driving? Harold is gonna downshift and goose it. Nice, right at the guy? Uh-huh. Okay, 
So, uh... Huh? Like, pedal to the metal. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Because, yeah, because, it, you know, I, I think it comes from, like, the old-timey thing, like, where you would strangle ring a, a goose. Yeah, strangle a goose. Mm. Oh, gotcha, nice. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Nice. I thought it maybe it's a Top Gun reference that I forgot about. I kind of thought it might be a Top Gun reference, <laughs> too, but strangling a goose makes a lot more sense. Okay, so, Lavender, go ahead and roll your attack. Okay, so you said it's perception? Perception, throw skill, and hexbolt alignment bonus, which is always a plus three. three. So you have eight plus, plus your roll. Yeah. Okay. You so. have a negative three from for the fact that you're like on a move that you're firing from a moving target. So that's still eleven. So that's still plus nice. five. That's an eleven total. All right, you hit. No uh, additional damage bonus. Go ahead and roll your damage, which is going to be d6 two. times will. So, so two d6 times will. Um, so two, all right, so eight for that one, and 12 for the next, so okay. 20. And energy energy damage halves armor value, and then once it gets through, it's tripled. So eight becomes 24, and 12 becomes 36. So that's mm. 16. So that's 60. Oh, Jesus. This dude, there's no way this dude doesn't explode. Lavender, as this energy crackles out of your hand and flies through the rain, you can see as it whips through the air, it turns rain into steam as it burns a hole through the storm. It slaps right into the guy's chest with a deafening, like, <laughs> as like a, a bolt of crimson energy crackles off of him and, and hits one of the neon signs that's still like lit outside one of the stores. He staggers back just a hair, but you see inside the core light that's within him begins to glow actually brighter. And his head like rolls back and when he looks down at you guys, even as you're about to slam into him, you see his eyes have gotten brighter. He swings down and he's just gonna swing right at the tire of your oh, no. uh, bike with his ax. He, uh, yeah, yeah. He absolutely misses. Fuck yeah. Uh, so he's gonna, he swings down, he rolled a freaking two. Uh, plus is everything, but still. And if we um, if we subtract my motorcycle driving skill from that. Well, he's at a negative to hit you and moving target anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He basically, uh, so he totally whiffs it and you guys smack right the fuck into him. So <clears throat> let's go ahead and see, uh, I think the damage for a vehicle. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna instead of having to sit here and roll all of that damage because I'm not sure where the um, let's just say it ha works. I can tell you how much damage he has left, and there's no way you don't do it. Is the thing? Yeah. Like I know he he has yeah. So you guys slam into him. Uh, an interesting thing happens. Uh, his legs like get caught by the front tire and you and, and they get whipped underneath the bike as you continue um, but the top half of him sort of severs where the handlebars hit right about the waist and oh, his Jesus. entire torso and his arms just right into you Harold and he's like reverse piggyback around you with his axe still on you and he's like 
wailing ew, back and ew, forth. Ew, gross, gross, Make a strength gross. check to push him off. You can see as you're doing this that he is like, like burning brighter and brighter in your hands. Oh, that's a one. Please help me. Oh, that's please a help one. Me. Please help me. Let me reroll that, please. Okay, you're gonna Thank spend. You. Uh, <laughs> Lavender you. spends a point. You so missed Bridgewater. Can reroll. That's a two. <laughs> How many times are we allowed to reroll now? Just once. Uh, I haven't implemented that rule yet. We're gonna so. implement that rule yeah. later. Okay, Lavender spending another. Can I have another token? Actually, I'll just use that one right there. Can you hand that with that one? This yeah. one that's hanging out there. Seven. Seven plus two is nine. So you successfully push this guy off of you, but as you do, like, you go to push him forward, you have to take your hands fully off the uh, handlebars, and you start to whip back and forth, like, start to fishtail a little, and the, the road is super uneven and cracked after this earthquake and all that. He's trying to pull his axe back to swing it down at you, but since he's actually pushed up against you, he can't get it back far enough to, like, actually get a nice hack at your mm -hmm. arm. You successfully push him off, and as you do, you see, like, the breath in his mouth starts to actually be steam as he shoves off his torso hits the ground and rolls and then behind you you guys just like glance over your shoulder and look back and then there's just we're just riding away from and an you guys explosion just ride away from this fucking and explosion. harold and mrs bridgewater high five and at this moment there is a crossover point in the game that I played the other day with Evan and Kietel, where I said, and at that moment, you guys hear a clockwork bike whip by, and you hear... Oh, was I supposed to say something? Oh, right. Um, shit, what would be a good thing to say as a biker? Hell yeah, Miss Bridgewater. Okay, that's what, that's what, okay, as we drive by, they hear... Fuck yeah, Miss Bridgewater. That's what I'm talking about. Fucking voodoo that you do. <laughs> and I do a voodoo on my motorcycle where a couple of voodoo masters. <laughs> they hear all of that as we drive by. I absolutely do. So as you guys pull up, uh, I'm sorry. You guys whip up. You guys whip up to the left off of the main track that cuts through the Union Town and up onto the ridge that runs along the length of the wall. It strikes you both for just a moment that this is the very ridge that Smiley rode and took from the back of his house down to the Zeppelin dock. This is a different stretch of it, but it is the same ridge. It's poetic. That runs it, yeah. along it. I'm yeah. like very poetic through the wind, like. I tried to let a dinosaur in to eat him, but it didn't work. I, yeah, I, I, I always knew that blowing a hole in the wall was never going to work. Everybody knew that. <laughs> you guys are like yelling the wind whipping around you. And you're like, <laughs> uh, what? You guys finally reach the address that you see. You pull to a stop. Like this part of the town is like it's the edge of where it's residential and it's right where it's about to become super industrial controlled by the BMC. So you guys are at the top of like a bit of a ridge and then down below there's like a, a house that kind of sits all on its own and it's tucked between these two like little they're not it's not a natural formation it's where there's a lot of dirt that was removed when they widened around like the the top of the mine and all this and it's been stacked up to create sort of an artificial eddy and uh, a ridge that runs around and this oh, house they, is like okay they, yeah they pile there. all the tailings up mm -hmm. yeah okay. 
And this house is kind of tucked in a little out of its way, almost like it's intentionally meant to be not seen, not hidden, but overlooked. Kind of like 1991 Seattle grunge. Yeah, like real hardcore. You guys have... Now, the the rain is just fucking turning everything into mud. You guys are covered and caked in mud. Uh, you're also caked in, like, some some of the grime that came off of the guy that you completely splattered and severed in half. Uh, but down below, this building sits about two, three stories tall. And next to it, you see there's uh, this big rod that seems to run out of the ground. And then there's all these wires that run from the rod over to the house, big like spirally wires and tubes and all that. And you see a series of gears and gauges that run uh, and like are still ticking and whirling on this. Well, I don't know uh, if we're in the right spot or not, but I feel like all this sciencey stuff would mean that we're in the right spot. We need to get in there, grab the guy, get to the zeppelin. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. And then go rescue everyone. Miss Bridgewater, would you lead the way? I'm going to kick the fucking door in. Okay. So you knock. slide down the light, like do a f- sweet like dirt and mud slide well, down. Yeah, off this, the, like, motors, yeah, yeah. the motorcycle. Leave the motorcycle leap up. out there. And we're still, the motorcycle, is, we don't turn it off. It's still idling. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's smart. Uh, so you go ahead. You got, you, you, Lavender, you rush up to the front door and just kick it in. I kick it. I've got brawling. I've got lock. Make picking. a strength check. Oh, my strength is shit. But yeah, we're going to try it anyway because I've got. I would allow you to use constitution instead if your constitution is better. It's the same. Thought it might be. But I'm dexterous. Yeah. Well, you're not going to miss the door. That's for sure. (laughs) So five, that's seven. Can I add brawling? No. No, so it's only seven. So So, go ahead and take uh, 2d4 of endurance damage. You successfully kick the door uh but it is way too strong for you and your foot goes you like you fucking feel your Oof. foot crunch it's not broken or anything but it fucking hurt you like bounce back just a hair and grab your foot and like kind of fucking hop for a second god mm-hmm, mm-hmm. damn it so that's five of endurance damage then okay You'll survive five bad. endurance damage. That's just uh, like, oh, dang. More importantly, you're <laughs> embarrassed in front of Harold. Harold, do you want to give a give a, a try at this door? Um, you know, you're not supposed to use your shoulder, right? Yeah, she fully could. Kicked she it. fully kicked it. You kicked it. Yeah, but oh, I'm did you? You just didn't do the. Oh, okay. And Harold shoots you. the fucking lock off at the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even make you roll to hit. You you can hit it. You blow. <laughs> Uh, I assume you're going to want to rechamber around too. So oh, yeah, yeah, later yeah. on, we'll say you still have both barrels loaded. You blow the handle off and push the door open. It creaks wide on its hinges. With this house nestled between these like spires of, of stacked dirt around it, it's actually almost secluded from the din of the slaughter and chaos that is has encompassed the rest of Backerholt. You guys are almost able to take a moment's auditory reprieve from all of the uh, slaughter, and you hear whirring and clicking of machinery and vibrating of things, a low engine noise, perhaps something idling. Not unlike your clockwork bike, but probably much smaller. Uh, there are some like there's some light blue and like orangey tones coming from inside. You guys can enter if you like. Yes. Can I just do a perception check to just see if like 
if there are any like signs of like people forced injury outside of the like, thing we just did sure you guys want to do a, a, a joint one whoever has the higher perception and notice and the other would give them plus two so do you, what's your perception notice my perception is three perception is five and do you have notice as a skill uh-huh. do you have notice as a skill uh-huh. okay then go with the five uh you get a plus two for the help action from harold so that's a seven plus whatever you rolled on the dice uh so 15 15 okay with the 15, you see there's a really obvious sign of force entry um, right inside the hallway. Um, there's a blown apart chunks of a door handle. Okay, cool. <laughs> we did but that. I'm just, <laughs> but I other than know, that, like, other than the super forced in. entry that's obvious from you guys, you see a few feet into the left is uh, it appears to become like an open room that heads off to the left and you can see the source of the bluish purple light is in there and there's like a shadow hitting the wall on the opposite side of the hallway from there. There's okay. something moving around in that room. So, uh, did we ever get his name? The si- or is he uh, just the seismologist? He's just the seismologist. Spivey, Spivy, or who, Spivey. friend of someone. No, Who's a it, friend of uh, uh, Wadabra. Wadabra. Yeah. What did I call him? Nubby? Uh, Wappy? Waddy? Something like that. Wabi's friend, the seismologist. So. Oh, you who is the seismologist here? I have come asking, as I'm like reloading my pistol, I'm like, I have questions about earthquakes. What all I sent us? There's a, like. And we're like walking towards. The, the shadow freezes, and then there's a scuffling, <laughs> and then you hear like something crash. Do you guys want to go into I the room? I just run in. Okay. To... Uh, a beaker wings past your head and hits the wall Ducks. yeah uh. you're fine you don't like you don't even need to worry about it in yeah. the, in the corner of the room there's a a small frail woman uh she looks not unlike dr obara but her hair is short cropped and it's not quite as um white as obara's has become like obara though her skin is dark her eyes are large and almondy she is surrounded by a laboratory of some sort there are uh, it seems to be a table that has beakers and chemicals in them uh there's uh an area where a big machine has this big arm hanging off of what appears to be like a hinge on the wall and the arm at the end of it has almost looks like a pin and it's sitting on a piece of paper and as things occur you can see like it's shaking up and down and there's this big jagged line being drawn Mm. along this roll of paper that's running from one side of the machine to the other so she's a seismologist yeah yeah. cool 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 so we establish Um, that she studies earthquakes but we also establish she is a complex character and also studies chemistry excuse me madam are you the earthquake doctor the earthquake whisperer uh, I, I am a seismologist, yes. What do you need? Okay. Are you related to Obara? Uh, d- She's safe. I don't I don't I think don't we usually like, ask people. Is. Yeah. She's safe. We need you to come with us. I Okay. You don't really I, I'm glad that she's safe. I don't know who Obara we is. We have a motorcycle. We're going to uh, get you out of here. We're, we're going to go to a Zeppelin, and then we're going to take you back to your friend. We need Obara. to know everything. You guys have a Zeppelin to get out of here? Well, well if we can get we to are, it. Who are Okay. No, you're like you're throwing a lot of allegations at questions at us. We have a motorcycle. We're offering you a ride out of town. You're obviously afraid, and we need somebody who. Oh, knows so you more know about... then? What? So, so you guys know about the earthquakes? Yeah, we kind of felt. Under. Oh no, not the, n- not about the earthquakes. 
I mean, we know about well, the desert people and the berserkers, and we know all about yeah, that. we know about oh. the cultists. We're oh yes, no, they're definitely they're a problem for sure. But so you don't know? Apparently is there, not. Is there no. like a bigger quake coming? Is oh. something bad coming? <laughs> she stands up and oh, like boy. takes a step towards her chemistry table. She grabs two beakers. They're sitting there. One of them has a cork on the top, and she pops it open, swirls what's inside, sniffs it. And then downs like most of it. Oh, geez. She's, my dear children, there's not an earthquake coming. These, these weren't earthquakes. We're falling. This whole place is falling into oh. the earth. Oh. We only have a few hours. We have. And she takes a big old swig, throws the beaker on the fucking ground. And with that. We have to check in with our very own Baja Tar Wheel and check out what's going on with him. So we'll be out, back Jack. with Lavender Ooh. and Harold next chapter. You have all walked in mostly silence since Vral Tuck showed you the fouled water uh, rising and its reaction. The reaction that it it was chemistry. It was like cooking on a large scale. Have you ever put yogurt in flour? It causes it to rise a little. Well, this is like a lot of yogurt very, very quickly. Does yogurt and flour cause it to rise? Yeah, a little bit. Oh. Not like a not like a shit. Load. I super don't bake. It makes it like when you're making like flat bread, and this is mm. something I actually know, like Caleb actually knows nice. that you can mix a little bit of. I expect it has to be self rising flour, which already has baking one of them baking powder. Isn't baking adding soda. something to self rising flour to cause it to rise, sort of like adding something to your antidepressant to help fight antidepressant. Or to help All right, go make go make flat <gasps> bread with self rising flour. So. <laughs> you guys have been in been walking in in pretty much silence for quite a while. It was um, all purpose. Shit, not self-rising. I'm sorry. I misspoke. I sh- I showed my ignorance on flower. Here we go. Vivek Natasha has let you walk a few feet and ahead of her and has courteously been not as engaging you in conversation uh in an effort to sort of give you space to think and breathe. Vral Tuck has actually been behind you, allowing you to lead the group on the way back to the to, to the, the encampment. encampment. Yeah. Not far yeah. away from the encampment, though, you guys begin to hear in the distance that there's a, a, ra- a, a raised din, actually. And as you approach nearer and nearer the camp, it gets louder and louder. Not the din of battle, but a din of commotion and disturbance, most definitely. And you see... As you round the last bend of the tunnel before it spills out into the open cavern where the Vakal tribe has set up their uh, now temporary home, you see that uh, in a portion of the camp, there are uh, there's a, a huge encircling of Calvec that are like pushing each other and like commotion around something. Clearly for, have formed a circle around something. There's a few guards like rushing over to it uh, Vral Tuck takes a few steps forward and says, well, I expect that Islay returns with uh, a trophy from her battle with the Desert Sun's Baja. So shall we go see? I, yeah, I love trophies. I I once earned a trophy in a, in a baking contest one time. I, I had it for the longest time, but I had to 
upon it to get my ticket to back her home. But this that doesn't matter right now. Let's go see this trophy. He puts his arm around you uh, and like pulls you in tight and walks you over like almost father and son. Uh, as you guys approach the circle, people begin to look, uh, the Calvac look over their shoulder and see that it is Ral Tuck and they, you know, open the path for him. There's whispering, there's frantic concerns. You hear people talking in Calvac, in tribal Calvac, in, in humanized, uh, bastardized Calvac, and even in English, you hear people saying like, but they can't be that not here, it shouldn't be, why, but on top of everything else, how could it be, this doesn't make any sense, and as you guys, as the last few lines of Calvac begin to open, you see in the center of this formed arena, where Calvac are pushing each other back to get away from it, but also pushing each other forward to get a better look at it, a circle of a bright, luminescent, green, glowing mushrooms have grown in a large, perfect circle. Jagged, but nonetheless almost geometrically. Ooh, those kind of look delicious. Do we know if those are edible? I could make a nice stuffed mushroom for at least a couple of us. You look up at Vral Tuck when you ask this, and his eyes are locked on the circle. Ooh. His jaws. Okay, so this is like slack. a. Like an important omen kind of thing, isn't it? He stares in silence for just a moment and then he turns and he, and like forgetting you entirely, he turns and he stomps like back towards his tent. Uh, the Vivek Nartasha, she steps forward and uh, she actually reaches her hand out and grabs your hand and you feel like it's almost twice the size of your hand and she fully like encompasses yours and she uh it's almost like a bear hug on your hand it's warm and soft despite the fact that she is covered in scales and she says oh the be be trusted this is not good baja what do you know about fairy circles and that Fairies is where are real? we are going to cut. Oh this fuck you! Chapter. You're gonna drop that. You're gonna drop that. Fairies are real, and then in the episode, I hate you. Thanks for joining, everybody. As always, I have been your narrator, Jay Muskrat. In addition to myself, today's episode featured. Caleb Lynn as Harold Cripp, Josh S. as Evan Brewer, Kaylin O. as Kietel Shea, Elizabeth Muskrat as Coriander Cooper, Jackie B. as Lavender Cooper, and Caleb Lynn as Baja Tarwheel. Music in today's story was used under Creative Commons license. Additional credits can be found in the episode description. Droughtland is played using Eden Studios' Unisystem, which can be found in All Flesh Must Be Eaten, C.J. Corella's Witchcraft, and Terra Primate, amongst others. If you don't already, make sure and follow the show on social media at Droughtland Pod. We'll be back with more adventure for you in two weeks with Chapter 34. Once again, I have been your narrator, Jay Muskrat. Thanks for listening, and remember, a secret knock is only secret until you knock.
damage. I don't know, but I haven't hit someone with a vehicle in a really long time. Not since the incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. It literally is the last oh, thing it happened true. before the game exploded. I forgot about that. Stay tuned for that story sometime, y'all. <laughs> um, or wait until they feature it on D&D Court on NADPOD. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me you watch TV Land at night. <laughs> Alrighty. Without telling me you watch we TV Land at night. We are back in. Oh, you knocked a cup over. Oh, fuck. Okay, thank you. I was like, is that the turtle peeing? <laughs> Never heard like, him pee that loudly before. Like, yeah. um, a fucking horse. <clears throat> <clears throat>